Hello, my ride or die fam. It is just me tonight, Diana. Chantel is super busy with work and studying, and I'm going to have some guests on the show for the next little bit while she's doing her studying. And I started a story last week, and I just really wanted to end that off. So here we go. I wanted to do a recap, but honestly, just go listen to the last episode, guys. I don't want to repeat myself. I know you understand. I did list off the sources and triggers last week, but I feel like I need to mention them again. My sources are Murderpedia, Wikipedia, WalesOnline.co.uk, Independent.co.uk, and Fred and Rose, the West Murders documentary. Triggers are rape, extreme child abuse, incest, animal abuse, and murder. Viewer discretion is strongly advised. So my story is about Fred and Rose West, and they eventually got married on January 29th of 1972. The only person that was present at their wedding was his brother, John, and he was his best man. A few months later, Rose was pregnant with their second child. They moved shortly after the birth and rented a place that they later purchased. They converted the top floor in that home into separate rooms so that they can rent them out. Everyone had their own rooms, but then they put in a facility where they could cook and have their washroom and all that kind of stuff. The main floor remained Fred and Rose's family quarters, and then the top floor was the rental. Rose gave birth to her second daughter on June 1st and named her May June. Not long after May June's birth, Rose began to work as a sex worker. She worked from a room on the second floor of their home and advertised her services in the local magazine. Fred encouraged her. He wanted her to do this. Rose also had casual sex with the male and female renters they had at their home. Fred also found her clients through his work. Rose always said that no man or woman could completely satisfy her. When she had sex with women, she was extremely rough with them. She liked to suffocate them and use absurdly large dildos. When the women showed fear or pain, she loved it. That's what she wanted. She wanted that fear and pain. She got excited and would say, aren't you woman enough to take it? Fred would have threesomes with some of these women and his wife, and they realized that Fred and Rose took pleasure. So these women that they were having threesomes with realized that they took pleasure in pain and pushing these women beyond their sexual limits. They loved bondage and any form of sex that gave them dominance and caused pain and was violent. This was their fetish. Over time, they collected a bunch of bondage toys photos and videos that contained, sorry guys, bestiality and graphic child sexual abuse. Rose was in charge of all of the family finances. So when Fred got paid, that money went straight to Rose and she managed it all. Apparently the money that she made went to renovate the home. She had a room that she met her clients in and they nicknamed it Mandy's Room as Mandy was her working name. There were 
peepholes all over the room that allowed Fred to watch his wife. And of course, she was well aware that this was happening. He was the only one with a key to the room and she wore it around her neck at all times. There was also a baby monitor in the room that Fred would listen in and listen to his wife having sex with other people. There was a private bar in the room and a red light outside of the door. And when it was on, it meant do not disturb. So people knew. They also installed a separate doorbell for her clients. So when they wanted to come in and see her, that doorbell went off. In 1977, Rose's dad learned to accept her marriage and actually started to respect Fred, which is kind of fucked up. But I mean, he's pretty fucked up himself. The two men opened up a cafe named the Green Lantern. And I think that's hilarious, but it wasn't very successful. So they could not keep up with the debt that they had accumulated and had to shut down. By 1983, Rose had given birth to eight fucking kids. At least three of those kids weren't Fred's and were pregnancies from her clients. And Fred didn't give a shit. He actually accepted them as his kids. And that's just the lifestyle, I guess, they had created for themselves. When these kids asked about the difference in appearance and skin color, because they all were different, he would just tell them that his grandmother was black. Lovely. When their kids turned seven, they were all signed a bunch of housework. After seven, they had their chores, their daily chores, and multiple daily chores. These poor kids didn't have any friends and weren't allowed off of their property without Rose or Fred accompanying them. They were strict with their kids and would severely punish them physically if they didn't follow the house rules. The kids were so afraid of their parents. And mainly Rose, she was the bigger monster in this relationship. She was evil and loved to punish, even if it wasn't warranted. So as long as she could cause pain, this bitch was happy. Rose always avoided injuries to the kids' faces and hands while she was abusing them. Two of her kids, Heather and Stephen, ran away from home. So I think they were, oh man, I think they were about seven years old. I did not put that in my story, but they were very young. They were went away for about a few weeks. They slept on the streets. They slept with friends and anyone they could find that would take them in. But eventually they had to go back home. So of course, as soon as they got home, they both got beaten pretty severely. Between 1972 and 1992, the West kids were admitted to the hospital 31 fucking times with injuries. The parents always explained the injuries as accidents. These were never reported to social services, and I'm so happy that that has changed. These kids are obviously too afraid to talk about it. There's eight kids and 31 fucking injuries. That is not okay. One time, Stephen was mopping the kitchen floor with a cloth and a bucket of water, and Rose was obviously not paying attention and decided to walk in that direction and put her foot in the bowl. Well, it was all his fault, of course, and she hit him over the head with the fucking bucket and then repeatedly kicked this poor child in the head and chest and yelled, You did it on purpose, you little swine. Another time, she couldn't find a kitchen utensil, so her reaction was to grab a knife she was using to cut up 
Samit and repeatedly slashed Mei Jun, so her fucking daughter, on her chest until her ribcage was covered in knife wounds. This mother was a monster. I don't even want to call her mother. She doesn't deserve that title. Her girl was yelling, quote, no mom, no mom, end quote. How heart-wrenching is that? Rose didn't give a flying fuck, and her siblings unfortunately watched in fear, bawling their eyeballs out. They couldn't help their sister. In August of 1974, Rose ran after Fred with a carving knife, but he was able to get into a room and slam the door shut. He lunged and plummeted the knife into the door with three of her fingers sliding down the blade and almost severing them. Rose calmly wrapped her fingers up and her hand and said to Fred, quote, Look what you done, Bella. You've got to take me to the hospital, end quote. I'm now going to list some pretty brutal detail of the victims. And I know I gave a warning at the beginning, but the shit is not for the faint of heart. It was quite hard to read some of this, and it's generally not easy. So these monsters did some horrible shit to these kids and other children, not necessarily only their biological children. I'm going to be talking about it right now. So I'm giving you guys the warning and viewer discretion is strongly advised. Anne-Marie West. So this was Fred's daughter from his first marriage to Rena and Charmaine's sister. In September of 1972, Rose and Fred led Anne-Marie, who was eight years old, into a cellar where they told her to undress, but she was afraid and didn't. So Rose tore the dress off the poor girl. They stripped her naked and tied her to a mattress and gagged her before Fred raped her while Rose cheered him on. After he finished, Rose told Anne-Marie, quote, Everybody does it to every girl. It's a father's job. Don't worry and don't say anything to anybody, end quote. They made it very clear that they would continue to sexually assault her and that they would severely beat her if any of this ever leaked out and anybody ever found out. Rose would also sexually assault and abuse Anne-Marie and loved degrade this poor thing she'd bind her to different things different pieces of furniture and whatnot within the house and encourage fred to rape her she also made her wear sexual devices and a mini skirt while she cleaned the house when she was 13 they forced her to become a sex worker and to lie to their clients about her age by telling them that she was 16 years of age Rose was always in the room while Anne-Marie was having sex with these fucking perverts to make sure that she did not tell them how old she was. Even at the age of 16, come on, that is not okay. On one occasion, Rose took her to a pub and forced her to drink. Hours later, Fred picked them both up and Rose tied her up and beat her in her father's van while Rose asked her, Quote, do you think you could be my friend? Then they both sexually assaulted this poor child. The next victim, Caroline Owens. In October of 1972, Rose and Fred hired Caroline to be their kid's nanny. She was only 17 at that time. They found her walking along a country road where she was hitchhiking after having visited her boyfriend. And she did this quite often. They asked her a bunch of questions and learned that she didn't like her stepfather and that she was looking for a job at the time. They offered her the nanny job and promised to drive her home on Tuesdays. Within a few days, Caroline moved in permanently, decided not to go back, 
and shared a room with Anne-Marie. He described Anne-Marie as very withdrawn. Caroline noticed that there was a steady stream of men coming to visit Anne-Marie and asked her, what's up? <laughs> what's going on? And she was inclined to tell her that she was a masseuse, which is so fucking horrible. Eventually, Caroline started to experience sexual advances from Fred and Rose, and that's when she said, I'm leaving and I'm going home. I guess her stepdad wasn't so bad after all. Rose and Fred knew that Caroline used to hitchhike often, and they came up with a plan to abduct her so that they could have their way with her. And Fred admits later in life that they abducted her with the intention of raping her and murdering her. This was a test for Rose. He wanted to see if she was willing to abduct someone with him. On December 1972, two months after they found her and hired her as a nanny, they got her to get in their car and apologized for being so creepy and offered her a lift home. Caroline believed they were sincere with their apology and thought she may have overreacted and mistaken their intentions, so she accepted their offer. Rose got in the back seat with her while Fred drove so that they could have a girl's chat. Not long after she got in the vehicle, Rose began to fondle her. And while this happened, Fred asked her if she had sex with her boyfriend that day. Caroline was not okay with this at all. And she fought back. Fred stopped the car, called her a bitch and punched her until she became unconscious. They tied her up and gagged her with a scarf and duct tape. Her statement to police would say that later she was given a drugged cup of tea to drink and then was sexually assaulted repeatedly by Fred and Rose. Caroline fought back so Rose smothered her with a pillow and then went down on her. The visual image of that was not okay. Poor fucking girl. Anyway, Caroline stopped fighting because she wasn't winning this battle, so she just stopped. The next day, one of the kids knocked on the door of the room where they were holding her and Fred threatened her with, Rose, I will keep you locked up in the cellar and I will let all my black friends abuse you and when they are done, I will bury you under paving stones. Fred told her that he had killed hundreds of girls and that they only brought her home for Rose's pleasure. At this point, Fred and Rose calmly asked her, with so much nerve, I can't believe this, they calmly asked her if she would return to work and be the nanny again. She said yes, of course. <laughs> She's trying to survive and knew this was going to be her only way to escape. Later in the day, she escaped. She ran home and didn't say anything, unfortunately, to her mom. Her mom did notice bruises and lacerations on her daughter's body and asked her where they came from. That's when Caroline broke down and told her everything. Her mom called the police and reported everything her daughter had told her. Fred and Rose were arrested and charged with assault, indecent assault, actual bodily harm, and rape. This was tried in court on January 12th of 1973, but by this point, Caroline couldn't deal with facing them in court, and I do not blame her all sexual abuse charges were dropped which is horrible and fred and rose agreed to plead to guilty to reduce charges of indecent assault causing bodily harm they paid a small fine and walked free when caroline found this out she tried to commit suicide 
On August 6th of 1992, Fred was arrested for raping his 13-year-old daughter three times, and Rose was arrested for child cruelty. This case against them collapsed on June 7th of 1993 due to their daughter being too afraid and refused to testify in court. All five younger children were removed from their custody, finally, and put into foster homes. This case shone some light onto the fact that Heather, Fred and Rose's first daughter, hadn't been seen since 1987, and a majority of people have no idea what happened to her, so a major investigation was launched. Police found human remains and signs of torture at the home, and this led to Rose and Fred being arrested in February of 1994. During the trial, Rose denied murdering anyone. She had nothing to do with anything. She said that her husband committed the crime acts alone and that she denied ever being a part of it. She said that she tried to stop him once while he was sexually assaulting someone. She pretended not to know about Fred's assaults, but the circumstantial evidence against them was enough to prosecute her for 10 murders. These 10 bodies were found at the current and previous residence, and Fred was charged with 12 of these murders. The additional two apparently happened before he had met Rose, and that's why she was only charged with 10. In February of 1994, Fred told his counselor that Rose had murdered Shirley Robinson and assisted in the dismembering of her body, that she was the one to remove the fetus from her womb. Another dismembered body they found was under their home's patio, and unfortunately, it was the remains of their daughter, Heather. She was murdered in June of 1987 when she was 16 years old. Poor thing suffered their abuse all of her life, and unfortunately, it ended in her death. Apparently, Heather started telling people about the abuse that was happening in the home, and then she disappeared. Her younger brother, Barry, who was seven at the time, later describes watching his mom kick Heather in the head over and over again until she stopped moving. Fred and Rose told everyone that Heather left home to go work at a holiday village and even pretended to get a call from her. So this basically was to ease the other kids' minds and anyone else that was asking. So the kids knew their sister was safe. Fred would threaten his kids that didn't behave accordingly with, quote, if you don't behave, you'll end up under the patio like Heather, end quote. This was all meant to be a joke and he'd be laughing when he said it. He used it to keep him in line, and he wasn't fucking joking because she literally was under the patio. This was their last known murder. On January 1st of 1995, while waiting for trial, this fucking coward named Fred West committed suicide at HM Prison, Birmingham. At the pretrial, Rose pleaded not guilty to the nine charges of murder, and they added the murder of Charmaine West that which made it 10 murders so she she said she was not guilty she pleaded not guilty to any of these murders two counts of rape and indecent assault of young girls her trial began on october 3rd of 1995 in the opening statement of prosecutor brian levson he portrayed the couple as what they were sadistic sex obsessed and murderers saying quote secrets more terrible than words can express victims their last moments on earth were as objects of the depravity of this woman and her husband. 
He pointed out that Fred was in jail when Charmaine was murdered, saying that Fred and Rose had each learned from their mistakes when they let Caroline live. That they, quote, would never be so trusting again, end quote. And that the gag on one of their victims, Teresa Siegenthaler, and I'm so sorry if I'm butchering that name, the gag had a feminine touch as it was a scarf tied in a bow. He was determined to expose Rose for what she was and show her controlling and sexually sadistic character and show that she was doing everything to avoid suspicion. Prosecution's witnesses included people that lived in the rental where she conducted her sex work practice, relatives of the victims, Rose's own mother and sister, and surviving victims, Fred's daughter, Anne-Marie West, Catherine Halliday, who was a former lover of Fred and Rose, Caroline Owens, and a victim referred to as Miss A, who was sexually assaulted by the pair in 1977. She described Rose as being the more aggressive one. Neighbors came forth and described Charmaine's disappearance in 1971 when Fred was in jail and said that Rose was so blah. Really, no reaction, didn't give a shit, and she was unaffected by her daughter, Heather, leaving. She just didn't care. Rose's lawyer tried their best to discredit the prosecutor's witnesses, saying that they were in it for the money or that they were holding grudges and just wanted to see these people in jail. The defense stated that Fred had committed at least one murder before meeting Rose and that the circumstances were very similar to the cases on trial. He said that Rose didn't know Fred was sadistic when she met him and that Rose decided to testify even though her lawyers told her not to. So she cried, she laughed while she was describing herself as a victim. And that she naively married a violent man, but then joked about things like always being pregnant by him. She described a victim's grandfather's glasses. And she said she, she never met six of the victims buried at their residence. So she knew they were there. When they showed her pictures of the victims they found buried in the cellar, they asked her if she recognized any of the faces and she stuttered. No, sir. They asked her about life at the home where they had rented out those rooms and she had her sex practice. He said that her and Fred lived separate lives, which was completely inconsistent with their earlier testaments. Rose admitted that she had a tough relationship with her older daughter, Heather, because she was a lesbian and that she physically and psychologically abused her brothers and sisters. He says that she loved Heather and didn't know she had been murdered at the time. The defense called seven women who claimed to have been attacked or assaulted by a single male that fit Fred's description between the years of 1966 and 1975. The intention of this was to show the jury that Fred was completely capable of abducting, assaulting, and attacking these women without Rose's help. The prosecution had never disputed this. Of course he can. And he loved to beat on women. End of story. Final witness at her trial was Fred's counselor, Janet Leach. By the way, I'm calling his counselor, but they called it a an appointed appropriate adult. So when I researched the term, it could literally mean counselor and a bunch of other stuff. So it's an appointed person. When they say adult, anyone over the age of 18 that works with him. So this woman, Janet Leach, 
They called her to testify on November 7th in rebuttal to the recorded confession from Fred, which was played in the court on November 3rd. He said that Rose had, quote, known nothing at all, end quote, about any of the murders. Janet testified that through all of his actions, he started to view Rose as confident that the night before he was arrested on February 25th, that Fred and Rose made a pact that he would take fall for all the murders, which he describes to Janet as some of Rose's mistakes. He told her that Rose murdered Charmaine while he was in jail and that she murdered Shirley Robinson. He confessed that Rose played a major part in the murders that she is being charged for. After seven weeks, the jury returned with a unanimous guilty verdict for all of the 10 murders. Mr. Justice Mantel sentenced Rose to life imprisonment, emphasizing that she should never be paroled. Lord Chief Justice later decided that she should spend at least 25 years in prison, but in July of 1997, Home Secretary Jack Straw subjected her to a whole life tariff, which means life imprisonment without any possibility of parole or conditional release. She was the second woman in the UK to receive this sentence. Rose is still alive and incarcerated and is 69 years old. And that's it, dudes. That's the end of my story. I will potentially have more guests over the next few weeks because Chantal is just busy with stuff. And I remember what it was like studying. It just overtakes everything in life. So remember our social media, our main social media, and I'm going to stop listing the rest because... They mean nothing. So it's Instagram and it's my ride or die podcast. Our Facebook is another one that we use. So my ride or die podcast. And then we have our email address, which is my ride or die podcast at gmail.com. So we're always looking for stories and I've had some amazing suggestions from people and I appreciate that guys. And I hope you guys continue to send them to me. Yes, I've heard a lot of these stories with my fascination with true crime, but I have not heard all of them, so I am pleasantly surprised when someone suggests something that I have never heard. So please keep those suggestions coming in, and if you guys have any crazy connections, which I have learned about with someone else that I've met recently, and they have a crazy connection to a pretty major murder in Toronto, we have discussed it on the podcast, but it's just so interesting to meet these people and see what their connections are. So... Anyways, guys, those are the social media sites and how to connect with us. And please continue to send us suggestions and we appreciate your support. And next week, it'll probably be me and a guest. Like I said, Chantal will most likely not be here. And I will have something. The story next week is going to be awesome. Love you guys. Good night, bitches. (laughs) 